I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from Peer Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, your host and founder of New Society. And today I am joined by UK editor John Harrington. Hi, John. Hi, Frankie. And our special guests, Gordon Glenster, Global Head of Influencer Marketing for the BCMA. I got that right this time. And Imogen Coles, Ogilvy's UK Influence Lead. And I feel this needs a drum roll, but... <laughs> Rob Mayhew has joined us in the studio today, UK Head of Influence and Retail at Fleischmann Hillard. It's, it's wonderful to have you all here. Hello. Um, and I have to say it's a bit of a moment for me with Rob being here because I think when we launched the uh, PR Week podcast back in May last year, I said that I hoped that we'd be, make a good enough show that you would want to come on. So I feel the day has arrived. Took a little while for you. We got there in the end. Did, we wonderful. got there in the end. So I'm I'm sure you may well have guessed that today's show is all about influencer marketing, which PR Week has made a key focus over the last few weeks. PR Week has really researched the subject in depth with the BCMA, um, asking experts from across the industry about the biggest trends and their views about what really lies ahead, which you can read about on PRWeek.com. So before we kick off, there's so many interesting people in the room today um, that are wearing many different hats. And I think it'd be really great to turn, first of all, to kind of Rob and Imogen to really talk about your life and your experiences and how you kind of got here as both a kind of influencer marketing expert, but also a creator yourself. So Rob, I mean, where do we start? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I UK uh, head of influence and retail uh, at Fleischmann Hillard. And I, yeah, I love working with content creators and being one myself, which I started uh, at the beginning of lockdown. Um, I just thought, you know what, I'm writing a lot of strategies about working with content creators. I wanted to understand a bit more about this new platform, TikTok. And uh, that's kind of where I started creating my own sketches on there. And it's really helped me understand what it's like to make good creative to, with, with creators. Uh, it's helped me 
kind of understand what it takes to get uh, things to people to watch all the way through content, you know, because that's watch time is now more important than uh, for the algorithms for than a lot of other things. And yeah, it's been a, a wild ride the last two years, whenever lockdown was, when was it? Oh, bit of three a blur. years, three years now, three 2023. Years. And, yeah. But yeah, it's been, and you know, what an exciting time it is to work in influencer marketing. So I have a question for you, which is, do you still have a day job? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you very do much so. Work yes. Alongside four, all of four that. Days, four <laughs> very long days a week. I right. give it my uh, 100% attention. Um, and then I, yes, we, we, I'm in the office, um, which is nice. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's it's going great. We're building a, a really good uh, influencer uh, kind of team at Fleischmann, and we are offering lots now to the clients who are looking to to reach new audiences with campaigns. And you know, we don't just offer traditional PR; we now offer that influencer side of things. So, working with creators, and I, I, what I can bring to that is is sort of knowing kind of what I feel works. Uh, knowing how to get best out of creators and things. But one day a week, I'm creating sketches. It's on a Friday, if anyone's interested. I sit at home and I I ring fence it. Uh, And all the little things I've been writing in my phone, a little note. So if you see me bring my phone out, I'm writing a little note about something you've said. So just Uh, I can see how the podcast could turn into a Rob Navy podcast. (laughs) And I do need to be really careful. But I'm dying to ask, when you're at Fleischmann and you're writing those notes on your phone, is everybody Mm. looking slightly terrified that you're about to write a sketch about them? I think... To be honest, I uh, I've got because it's twenty years of experience. It tends yeah. to be I'm still only a few years back. I'm st- I'm still catching up. So the yeah. people who I work with now will be lucky unless something very ridiculous happens in the office. Yeah. Uh, in which case, I'll always speak to that person. But but it's very rare. It's very much general behaviors of agency things which happen all the time and they've happened for years. So yeah, and that's great. You're Comment. safe, but you're well, actually you're not safe. I'm not safe. People I work with are safe. <laughs> yeah. But as as uh, you know, the best comedy is. I think you can hit it bang on the nose, which thank has you been amazing. Much. So thank you. thank you. So um Imogen, over to you. Please tell us a bit about your life also as an influencer expert and and content creator. Yeah, sure. So obviously now my day-to-day, I am five days a week at Ogilvy um as UK lead. Um and with a baby as well. So that's and with a baby, yeah. I'm Making with him, that all happen. Yeah, two days a week, I suppose, on the weekend. <laughs> um, but uh, no, so I started my influencing career, I suppose, in much the same way as Rob. I was testing out the strategies that I was doing at work and I wanted to see how they worked in reality from a creator's perspective. And it was around maybe five or six years ago now. And whereas I suppose now you would call it book talk, um, I was doing influence campaigns and cross-channel marketing strategies for book publishers. So Penguin, HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster. And I wanted to see how I could tap into that niche community and just see how quickly I could make something grow, I suppose. And I had early access to all of the books. So I read a horrific amount of young adult romance and fantasy books, which are still (laughs) my absolute love affair. Um, And I really should start a TikTok about it because now my Instagram has translated into more of a lifestyle slash whereas Rob is more really fun entertaining content mine is more of um I would position myself as somebody who would make content for brands potentially for production so it's a slightly different angle I'm a photographer by trade 
side trade. Um, and you'll be more of a comedian, I suppose, Rob. Thank you. Yeah. Some of <laughs> introduce you for you. but <laughs> So, Gordon, on to you as well. So not just the global head of influencer marketing at the BCMA, which we'd love to hear about, but also writer for the Evening Standard, podcast producer, making a film, so many things. Please tell us more. Yeah. So I sort of stumbled into the influencer marketing industry, actually, because I used to to uh, head up the uh, British Promotional Merchandise Association for 11 years. Um, when I left there, um, I wanted to actually help other associations. And one of them happened to be the the BCMA. And I was originally just talking to Andrew, the CEO, about um, you know helping grow his membership. And just before I left, I was in the Charlotte Street Hotel, uh, i never forget it. And I said to him, but what about this whole influencer space? Who... Yeah, it's a bit like a Wild West, isn't it? Who's who's regulating it? Who's actually providing best practice and guidelines and support and all those things? And he looked at me as if, like, with an open mouth to think, actually, there's nobody out there really doing this. So we, we were going to create the Association of Influencers as an organization. And then we decided to say, well, actually, we've already got an established network in the BCMA. Why don't we create a uh, just a new division? So that's what we did. We had the launch party in a London nightclub with over 200 influencers. We had a goodie bag that was worth over 100 quid, actually. But I'll tell you what was really funny, actually. Some of these influencers, because we offered them a free drink, which we thought, do you know what? That would have been good, you know, and 100 pounds of good. We thought we would have had them there for a reasonable amount of time. But actually, um, I remember seeing some of them go after they'd taken their pictures and they came into the picture and then they were off. I said, said, where are you going? I said, well, that's great event, Gorm, but I've got four other events to go to tonight. So that was my education about, you know, uh, influencer marketing. Um, But um, I've also written a book on it. And I wrote a book really for myself because I thought, you know, I don't know a huge amount about this sector. I want to... um, you know, make it like a, com- a compendium of knowledge and information. And ironically, I-, I probably used the best of influencer marketing in writing the book because I interviewed loads of key individuals within the sector. They, of course, wrote content within it. And then when it came to my launch day, of course, those individuals happily shared that on social media. So I got, I think, about 16,000 views on my LinkedIn post and record numbers of people showed up at, at the launch party, albeit online. That's really interesting, actually, in terms of your role. You're both in UK roles, are you? If you've got a global offering, as I mean, when you're dealing with global campaigns, how do you approach that? Yeah, absolutely. And we've got uh, a network of offices around the world, basically. Yeah. So you can tap into the local markets, uh, and the you know, because it's good to have the what, what's working, what influences are big in the local markets to have that. Uh, you know, we allow the other uh, offices to kind of lead on for those ones, but we maybe hold the strategy and things centrally. Well, you both come from international agencies, but so therefore, if you've got replicable teams in in the other markets and, yeah. and of the same skill set, would you yeah, say? Completely. Yeah, completely. So we yeah. have um, at Ogilvy, we tend to hub a lot of our global work streams from London. We have a team of Christ, around 40 influence experts in our London office specifically. Um, That's separate from PR, they're influence specific specialists. And then all around the world, we have 
I think we're getting on for three, four hundred influence specific specialists outside of just the regular PR teams who just work on influence day in and day out. So that's everything from B2B influence, um, healthcare influence, and then consumer influence as well. Great. So, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole podcast talking about <laughs> you three, frankly, um, but we should get into the subject, which is um, sort of moving on from, from that piece, which is really, Rob, to you first, in terms of what, what clients and brands really looking for from influencers now? I think it's results. They need to, I mean, it's it's a kind of mixture. Traditionally, it was, you know, awareness of campaign awareness. But I think actually it really comes down to sales as the platforms and the channels become more uh, better for social selling and things. You can actually, you want to be able to track how successful the influencer campaigns are doing. Um, but often it's also reaching a new audience. So mm-hmm. with um, a lot of influencers, you can be very specific and very targeted with the audiences you're doing. So it's, you know, it might be a, a brand that maybe isn't quite uh, resonating with Gen Z and they want to reach that. So why not use influencers to do it? So, but the most important thing that you have to deliver are the results that goes without saying. And um, it's, you know, it's becoming better and easier to, to actually track that now as we get, you know, as it's not in its infancy anymore, influencer marketing. It's a really exciting period for PR in particular where influence is concerned because we've, for years and years, it's been known as the fluffy discipline. And with influence, we're able to really start to look at true ROI from what we can deliver with blending in with econometrics and all these sorts of things. It's We're in this pivotal moment where actually, as we come into a cost of living crisis, where other elements of the marketing funnel are really starting to be scrutinized, we can say with influence, actually, we can do your top line awareness, but actually we can start to make a real difference to your bottom line. And we often say, we talk about um, outcomes rather than outputs, right? So rather than saying that this campaign is successful if it gets an engagement rate of 3% or a video view through rate of 30%, it's about looking at what's that bottom line sentence that you want to say? What's the headline that I want? So I sold a product every 10 seconds and tracking back to understand what 10, 20, 30 different metrics we can find to really tell that picture for us. And Influence is uniquely positioned to do that for us within PR. And therefore, are you having a better result in terms of competing with advertising budgets? Oh, completely. I mean, going into this next phase, it is the moment where paid media is really starting to question. I mean, not only where the budget should be spent, but actually when you are spending and investing within paid media, where should you be getting that content created? Because we know that influence content is around four times more engaging within paid media than just generic brand-owned assets. So why would you just create brand-owned content? It's more expensive to create. It doesn't resonate as well with audiences and it can't pivot as quickly when something changes in culture, which we know happens every single day. We need to be able to react super fast. And 70% of consumers will trust influences as much as any other kind of traditional advertising so it's like it's it's i'm just, surprised it's not more actually. well it is but as you yeah. go younger it goes up yeah. to 92 percent if it's sort of 18 to 25 so it, it does i was giving more general mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's i think what as budgets do get cut next year's or you know there's slightly things are consolidated mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's gonna be a really exciting time for influencer marketing and rightly so so it's kind of the reason why agencies like Fleischmann and Ogilvy are, you know, investing in it because it, it's getting the results for the clients and clients are excited about that. I suppose that's always been the hardest thing in PR, hasn't it? That we've not always been able to prove our 
worth from yeah. a you know a hard commercial perspective so actually i suppose that's where influencer marketing is definitely winning and it was you know it's about it, it works so well with other types of pr we've earned me you know earned and things it's just it sits so well within pr um i've always thought that that was a really nice place for it to be living and, yeah absolutely um, if it works in earned it'll work in paid yeah Sorry. exactly Gordon. Um, I mean, I, I genuinely agree with the guys. I mean, influencer marketing has a uh, has some great success criteria, um, but also when done well, and that means often by working with experts. Uh, sometimes brands that think actually now we can do this all of our all ourselves, and then suddenly find oh, it just isn't quite getting the results. So, you know, one of the things I often say to people that haven't done influencer marketing before, um, you know, work with experts because they know they know what um, having and setting the right goals is. It's about making sure the influencers are properly briefed so they really understand what's expected of them and what success looks like. Um, you know, and, and, and I know we, we talk about briefing, but, you know, even things like um, – uh, you know the sounds of what what the name of a brand is is it nike or is it nike i mean i, I know that may sound obvious to people but actually if somebody's gone and created a video and then they get want to go and get it approved and that's all wrong that's a huge amount of time wasted so i think having these uh, proper briefing calls with people um just to make sure that those things are in place is is super important um and one other thing i wanted to to add is research there's lots of evidence now where brands are not just using uh, uh, influencer marketing as a sales funnel and brand awareness one but actually to create a better understanding about what their f- products are going to look like in the future um, so that you know we're we're starting to get this sort of um, consumer uh, and and brand creation together, which I think is really really exciting. You can't do that looking at the TV or the radio, but you can um, with with influencers and and being able to work with these very super niche audiences is very very exciting. Yeah, it comes onto a question I was going to ask actually. Um, one thing we looked at in the recent research PR we did with BCMA was about the extent to which influencers are involved in the creative process from the start. Um, interested to know what you and Rob and Imogen particularly think about this. You know, um, how much of this is on your radar when you're working with, with influencers? How important do you think it is to have them involved from the start? Hugely important. Um, we talk about the importance of um, diversity, equity, inclusion within influence marketing now. And diversity has to start with diversity of thought. And the issue with creating... Um, creative ideas in the agency or even the brand environment is that if you then pass it over to your influencers and you haven't left space for nuance, for community, for cultural difference, then the idea, one, it's going to sink, but also it's not going to resonate with the audiences because at the end of the day, your influencers are your audiences or if they're the right influencers, they are the right audiences. And we say now that so often community is... This is a lot of alliteration and I apologize, but (laughs) community is crafted in the comments, right? That that is where now we, we talk so often about community within influence marketing, but if we look at the progression of um Reddit, for example, it is that those real conversations is where influence is happening. And mm. if we don't, when we build our creative ideas, if we don't leave space for that creative to adapt, then we're never going to succeed in achieving that conversation. I think you're 100% right. There. And the content creators and the influencers have spent hours and days, years, working out what works for their audience and, and just understanding, being obsessed with kind of watch time and all these things that we just don't necessarily have the time to learn as an agency or whatever. So you're kind of, you're taking everything they've learned 
and that's why you're paying them because they know what they know how what their audience wants so obviously you've got a message you've got things you need to get in there but actually the more you can allow them to do their magic you don't want to lose that magic and it can be easily lost once things are signed off and they go through legal and all of that it's so important to make sure that the thing you fell in love with that content creator that influencer at the start when you pitch them uh, is what you need to make sure main is is there that gets posted is there sometimes a selling job there to the brand does sometimes the brand want wants too much control and they don't necessarily want to open things up to the influencer's own sort of creativity I or the brand's coming around more they are coming around i think there's always a job that you need to uh, explain and show and educate and i think it can take a while but i think what, what's really good if you can create long-term relationships with influencers then it kind of gives the confidence to the client to actually, do you know what? They know what they're doing. It's great. This is kind of, and it's so much more fun uh, to let the, I always say to the content creator, to come up with three ideas around this, um, make two of them quite safe and one of them a bit of a wild card. And let's see Famous which one. Famous for saying, is there a safe one in here? Yeah, there's always, there's always a, a gold, silver, brown safe one. Um, but I, and, you know, I know which one's going to probably perform better, but, you, you know, at the same time, you, it's really good that the brands are, you know, spending their money with influencers. So there is a job to be done as well in terms of um, making sure that the, the brand does feature, that there are things that we need to do uh, to make sure that they feel like they're getting their money's worth as well. And we forget as well that the the influencer's currency is every piece of content, especially on TikTok. And we, I think we as agencies or brands, there's a tendency to forget the risk that is involved from an influencer's perspective, mm-hmm. both in partnering with a brand, because the, you don't know what the brand is going to do next. They could do something which seriously tanks their own reputation, but also the influencer's. But then also if a piece of influencer content that the influencer is creating, if it tanks, that affects everything that they sell that that affects how much they are worth and their whole job it's it's it goes so much deeper than us having one bad campaign at work and you know what? it's gone from having the brand mentioned in the first three seconds of the video to actually have it mentioned at the end now i think that and and you're right when you said that it lived community lives and dies in the comments mm-hmm. and we can thank tiktok for that yeah. uh, for bringing community management back it's not just customer service it's actually conversation uh, where people are People ask me when I post my sketches, where do I get my jumpers from? Uh, and that so it just shows to me that that does work. There is an influence there. You can call me an influencer if you want. Yeah, I'm influencer. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I've always called you. No, I know. I'm just saying. So that like, but you can see these conversations happening. You see, and it's great to see them when you post for uh, for a brand to see the the love that the influencer gets, and even if it's a brand ad, you know, hashtag ad situation that you know they really trust the influencer they they trust that maybe they're a true fan of the product um because you can identify those things you can identify who do people really you know if you're a brand you can actually find who's talking about your your product so you don't have to like think okay do you like salad cream or whatever um and gone are the days, right, where influencers would take any brand deal. Because since COVID, we've diversified our revenue streams. You don't need the brand deals anymore. So actually, when when a brand is pitching to an influencer, they really are pitching. In a lot of instances, influencers will say no to the work that we send their way because they don't need it. They have other ways to earn money. And it makes their content so much more authentic. And their audiences buy into it. And they, they love, they are their biggest hype fans. They want them to be doing the brand deals, which they know, like an influencer could have, in fact, the other day, um, when, um, when the article that you guys brought out talking about my promotion came out, I had, um, I mentioned it on my stories and I had followers say, you know, I followed you for seven years. I followed your, 
um, account, but also your work progression. And I'm so happy for you. And you forget how invested all of these people are in the little things that you do every day. Absolutely. And you've seen that as well. When you see influencers post, you know, they'll do a, a collaboration with a fast fashion brand. They'll get backlash now. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's there are uh, values that they have that, you know, you have to know these when you're choosing the influencers. There has to be, you know, when you're identifying them, you have to know these influencers you have to understand their values and make sure those values match the brands. Yeah. That's yeah, can, I, can I just add to that? Um, you know, influencers are also human beings, you know, which means that they have good and bad days and they have pressure points you know a huge percentage of brands that reach out to influencers don't get a response um and they don't get a response sometimes because you haven't they haven't thought about the way in which they're approaching them um and that's really really important communication to and i use this approach which is called jab jab punch really which is effectively uh, like comment like comment and then reach out to them because there's nothing worse than you two guys as uh, as content creators as well as you must have seen these these emails that have literally been sent to hundreds and hundreds of people the worst one of which says dear influencer um, we think you would be great for our cosmetics launch brand and you're thinking just a second um it bears no res- relationship to me and unfortunately when they get that sort of um, email that hits their uh, emails or or, or it, uh, direct messaging um, it, it makes them wonder, well, who who actually do I want to work with? You know, um, it's a real challenge. It's called collabs for a reason. And I agree with what Imogen said a few minutes ago, actually. Um, they have a vested interest in making sure that the content works. And that's why I think, um, just to uh, just answer the question that John posted, that involving the creators that you'd like to work with in the creative process right at the start and say, look, you know, um, what sort of ideas do you think could work well for? This is what we're trying to do. And um, what do you? What sort of um, uh, content ideas would you like to suggest uh, we put forward? And it might well, in many cases, surprise the brand um, to such an extent where they get an even better result than they'd even been thinking of themselves, rather than just using them as as what I would call last minute amplifiers. In other words, they've got a campaign. Let's just hire a bunch of influencers to to promote it, and let's just hope it works well often it doesn't <laughs> so when you're thinking about actually signing off that piece of content uh with the client and we've obviously seen sort of history and advertising of having a bit of a nightmare of having to go through awful research panels and not using instinctive enough marketing um prowess to actually decide you know what is a great piece of content and is really going to fly how well you know, first, and how, you know, much is the client trusting the influencer that they know their audience, that they know that this. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This piece of content is better over another piece of content than they may have created. Are you, are you getting to that place where you, you feel like that trusted decision is happening? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it takes time. I mean, we, the way the sign-off process works, my ideal sign-off process is a WhatsApp group with a client, so you can then share it quite quickly. Here's here's a version of it. And, you know, you've signed, at this point, you've probably signed off on a script, the concept and all that, so there shouldn't be any kind of, like, surprises. But I think there is an element of trust, especially of how, you know, they film it and the the low finest of it if it's a TikTok and um, it's it's done in the style that they do it. So I think, you know, you need to... You know, and it's the job of the agency to make sure the quality's there, uh, that it's not a rushed job. Because you do get some influencers who are busy, uh, who are maybe not great at time management. Um, but the industry is quite small, so you always share who those people are. So you know, the ones who do a really good job. And actually, what you've I've found in the last year or two is that there's a professionalization of influencers. They're so good, they take it so seriously. So when they get a brief, you know, they're quite quick to respond. They come, they're very clear with their scripts and. You know, they're keen to, to film. They might film one or two versions. And, you know, there's that's brilliant. It's lovely to work with those people and you want to work with them again. And the client feels that as well. So looking at the professionalization of influencer marketing, Gordon, I'm coming to you really here around the kind of landscape around payment now. Um, is, could you give us a sort of context of, of what that landscape is really looking like now and also the balance between you working directly with influencers and agents and so forth and, and any guidance that you can give to our listeners around that? Well, I think um, I mean there was a, a big storm around the 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 uh, diversity pay gap, influencer pay gap. If you remember, there was a big uh, uh, concern about this. I think it's definitely getting a lot better, but there is there actually isn't a standardised uh, system where any, anybody can go and find out. Well, if I do this post and I do that story, how much? Um, am I going to get paid for it? There's still a lot of negotiation that goes on um, behind the scenes. I think over time we are we. I mean, yes, within the industry there are benchmarks, and the other guys I'm sure will have a view on this. Um, but we are. Um, it's, it's a lot better than it was, should I say? Um, and and what's not, better? Would you say? Well, I would say because. Um, Stuff like that's been disclosed out there about uh, different types, and I think when we, when when um, agencies and brands make it very clear um, in the briefing stage about um, what 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 they want and what they're expecting to to pay for that, at least it gives them an idea. Because what you don't want is you don't want naive influencers to come into the market and think actually um, I'm undervaluing myself, or equally, of course overpricing themselves there are others that think actually because they've got a lot of experience um in certain sectors they will overprice themselves so i think um i think it is becoming a little easier but you know there's still a lot of clarity needed i think my top tip for influencers and content creators is when you get approached by an agency or a brand you've probably already already made it to a powerpoint slide so you're you're in the power by that point. They want you. So find out what their That's budget good. is. Say what's your budget, um, and hopefully it'll be more than you were going to say. Because I feel like you need to pay. The, the influencers aren't going to pay their bills with exposure. They know that, and uh, I, you know, you want to make sure that they're getting what you know they deserve. And everyone has a budget, but I think it, it's, it's you've got to be fair. And I think that is led a lot by the agencies as well. I'm very. Uh, I always fight the corner of the the content creators to get paid a fair amount for it 
because their work, because, you know, again, you want to keep them happy and, and you'll get the best job from them. Completely. Yeah, the, the influencer pay gap that you touched upon, Gordon, is is a huge issue within our industry in general. Um, the huge discrepancies between how much different creators are paid, um, minorities, genders, um, it's astonishing the, the gaps actually that we uncovered and we so ogilvy we launched um, a maximum margin rate which means that when we work with any suppliers to help engage influencers um, the supplier can never take more than it's around 25 percent depending on the um, supplier but it means that they can never take more than that the majority of the budget has to go to the influencers and we do that to make sure that we're safeguarding the amounts that the influencers are getting paid for the work we also operate a fully transparent model with all of our clients so they can see the actual fee each of our influencers are getting paid and on occasion, that does mean that I've had conversations with the team where if an influencer comes to us and they say, I want X amount for a campaign, we go back to them and we say, actually, we need to pay you a little bit more because we need you to be in line with everybody else on the campaign. Because it's hugely important to us that if in the same way as that with an agency, right, if you're um, if the amount that you're pay, paying your staff, if you, to be honest, don't feel good about what you're doing and they're not on a level, then you've got to assume that that's going to become visible at some point. And so we always make sure that we pay people fairly. And it, the exact same should be for creators, just because it's not a heavily regulated space doesn't mean that we shouldn't be paying people fairly for the work that they're doing. And with, I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced, um, uh, you pay me. Can I say that on the, uh, can I say yeah, that on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how we all feel about these um, platforms that uh, teams are giving to influencers, but saying, look, put, make the brands put their money where their mouth is, show show up the teams that aren't actually paying influencers fairly. And while um, I'm very happy to say that all of our brands, you know, we all of our brands want to pay creators fairly, but oftentimes it's about making sure that we are educating a bunch of people who have incredibly started careers out of their bedrooms. Like they have built these themselves and they are not just creators. They are strategists. They are designers. They, they do five of the jobs in any of our one agencies and they should be paid fairly for that work. So moving on and looking at, at the channel mix, mm. kind of what are you feeling really excited about and, and you feel the kind of most exciting channels are and what's kind of emerging and dying and that whole picture? Oh, it's got to be live stream shopping on TikTok, surely. Or, I mean, you could talk about the little bubble up platforms like Be Real, which doesn't even feel like a bubble up anymore. But um, mainstream wise, it's got to be TikTok and ICOM in the next sort of 12 months. Yeah, I, I mean, TikTok made me fall in love with social media again. Just the way uh, it's brought the fun back into it, discovery, it's completely changed how uh, Instagram with reels and things. So it's just it's showing about how, you know, you need you needed to pay uh, to get your content seen back in the day. That was the only way your content, 5% of your audience was going to be seen, but 5% of your content was going to be seen by your audience on, uh, on Instagram. But, you know, TikTok came along, discovery platform, so you know, anyone can go viral, any brand like Ryanair or whoever uh, can be the life and soul of the party. And I think that's what it's brought the joy back into and the creativity. I have no production skills whatsoever. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't, I can't do anything, but I've got a phone and a ring light. So I know how to make and an idea and that's all you need. And uh, just some time to be come up with ideas. And that's what's been great about it. I, I like to see gone are the days where the content calendars and the getting things through the studio and you know that's kind of changed now a 12 month uh, content calendar oh, can you imagine it. a 12 month content calendar <laughs> <laughs> 3 months is bad enough and then you know you, you uh, it's it's just really exciting that tiktok's met, brought that fun back into it and and it's made brands 
reevaluate their entire social strategy because they need to be fun. They need to, it doesn't have to be entertaining in a kind of funny ha ha. It can be educational as well and learning and edutainment, whatever you call it on TikTok. But it's just it's it's just that for me. It's TikTok all the way, but you're right. Social shopping still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. I think you know it tends to be but a not lot in of, China. I mean, we no, say in its infancy in the UK, but absolutely not outside. They just of the haven't UK, been yeah. able to replicate it here, have mm. they? It's it's it's, but it's it could. It just needs to. It needs a few really good creators to get behind it and some good products. I'm very excited about. It. I just want to buy. I buy it. I mean, I went to yeah. Switzerland last year based on some TikToks of Lauderbrun and that I'd seen. I went. I want to go there on holiday. It worked. So this is the thing. I saw. Um, I was chatting with a client recently, and they were saying that they had heard a stat that um, something crazy, like eighty percent. This is not the exact stats, but something around eighty percent of people say that they will not go on holiday based on a recommendation online by an influencer. And I was like, well. But you're going onto TikTok and you're seeing people talk about a location that you're going to. You may not want to admit to yourself that that is an influencer, but there is yeah. no chance in hell that that five best places to go in Switzerland is not an inf- I mean, it's... Yeah. It, <laughs> aside from that, how do we all feel about OnlyFans? Because for me, the the movement of OnlyFans and the, the growth that that has had and then the introduction of subscriptions on Instagram, for example, is hugely exciting. I think it's... And it's like we were saying about the additional revenues for content creators... Uh, again, it puts the power with them a bit, but I think subscription, absolutely, mm. that's really exciting. And that came out as a result of COVID, of course, because um, some of the um, some of the brands weren't able to be investing, and then actually the creators suddenly thought, um, "I can have my own membership community uh, and actually own that space." Because I think the biggest growth area for for influencers is to monetize a lot more of their content, you know, turning their followers into customers and not just not just earning money from from a post um, or a story, uh, but but actually generating content, you know, all the way money while they sleep in a way. Um, but just to add on, on what I also think, I agree with the guys on on TikTok. It's going to be it's already huge. And, and what I love about it is everyday folk are becoming influential. And that is this whole user-generated content, which I think is really exciting for brands to be in a position where they've got um, and in fact, if we go further down than, than influencers and we've got almost like consumers becoming fans, you know, once in the early days, it was all about celebrity advertising. Now it's it's people with much, much smaller audiences, but are seen to be much more relatable and will will um, talk about the brands because they would have gone and bought that product or service anyway in such a way that's super engaging. So I think that's going to be a big, big growth. And again, I agree with the guys on on live stream um live stream selling which is is massive in america in fact i just uh, you guys should go and have a look at the lipstick king he is absolutely do you know do you know about it how much money that that they make as well is ridiculous billions. he sold billions of products it's literally off the school i've just i had a um somebody i interviewed on my podcast actually uh, who's a tiktok agency and i've never even heard of this guy and and when i afterwards i went and had a look at him i thought Oh my God. <laughs> it is it about is these insane. subcultures. It's about the niches. I'm into yeah. rug talk at the minute where they clean rugs. Yes. Um, and it's incredible. But it's Those like, videos. What, there's brands for that. There's like, there's, if whatever brand you are, there's going to be subcultures and things within TikTok. And that, but you know, it's, it, it's so fun having to be going out and identifying these uh, content creators and influencers to work and, and proposing them to the brands because they're like, who's this? You're like, you're going to love this. Actually, person. Rob, just to add to that, um, 
you know, and we were talking about money earlier, you could charge a much higher price for a piece of content in a super niche. So if yeah, you look great. at the average costs and posts, but if you've got somebody that is um, like there was a, like, like the acne queen or somebody that specializes in helping people educate about, you know, how to get rid of spots and acne for a dermatology cream that's, that is absolutely focused on that, I would suggest they would pay handsomely a lot of money. And, and that, that, that creator could earn an entire living from just that one collaboration. There's a creator I know, uh, she's, uh, she, does, she has curly hair. And that's her. That's all her posts are on TikTok about her curly hair. So you can imagine she can make a fortune. Just all these brands who want to work with her has got curly hair. What does that mean for the audience profile of TikTok in terms of where brands are versus potentially Instagram and how that may evolve? If there's so much more flexibility, there's so much more opportunity. Do you therefore see the audience growing and changing? Yeah, I mean, I saw recently that TikTok has overtaken Google as a search platform. It is the audience that you're reaching is far, far more curated, depending on the influencer, right? Because it is, we always have to remember as well, the creator's content really dictates the type of audience they're building. But in general, because we see more niche specific content being created on TikTok, you're, the audience that you're reaching is far more curated. Um, and you can be far more defined with the the products or the messaging or the way you're talking to your audience. It's This is as well when we're sort of going back 20 minutes, but the way that we brief our influencers and the way we flex our creativity, it's about looking at those niches to understand how you can alter that conversation and be a lot more specific. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to introduce the broader brand if actually this person only talks about that specific niche and that community. We do a lot of this with, um, we work with Unilever and Dove and, and skin um, products particularly. Um, and you can be a lot more niche if we're talking to our HCPs, so our healthcare professionals, if we're working with them on TikTok, you can be far more specific with the messaging that we're using um, because we're reaching a far more specific audience who may only be interested in treating, I don't know, dermatitis, for example. So briefly then, um, it's worth touching on the other big channels. Um, Twitter has obviously had well-known difficulties, post-must takeover. Um, LinkedIn is very important. And obviously Instagram um, being around for, for, for yonks. It'd be good to know, what your views of those channels are in terms of their relevance to influencer marketing at the moment. I love LinkedIn. For me personally, as a creator, I, I think it's fantastic just because I didn't know when I started posting on to LinkedIn that there were things called followers. I had like 200 followers and now I have like 100,000 followers on LinkedIn. And and it's great. You get to know, you you know, I built up my audience of people that work in agencies, small business owners, people, you know. So it's quite a high, they've got quite a high disposable income. Um, so it's quite, a, my LinkedIn is quite attractive to lots of brands, uh, B2B brands as well. So it's for, I think it's really interesting if you're into B2B to work with influencers. There's a whole uh, genre of B2B influencers now, uh, which I think is really exciting. Um, and it's a, it's a good way for them to kind of test the waters as well, because it's that you can be really successful with that as well, I think. We totally woke up LinkedIn though, didn't you? I mean, everybody was on there cheering each other for their wonderful new award that they just got and then you arrived and changed the game. <laughs> I oh. love it. I, I, <laughs> it's it's so much fun. I The engagement is incredible on there. And again, yeah. it's, it's it, the community with the comments and stuff. And it just, it's just, you can, it's where my content should live really, isn't it? Cause it's, yeah, but as you say, not like you're exactly like the lady with the curly hair, but it's completely <laughs> focused, isn't it? And I know a lot of the conversations that I've had with my friends where we've literally been like, oh my gosh, it's literally us in like 1992 doing whatever it may be. Um, it's just so relatable. 
Thank you. I'd like to say that was a strategy of mine was to eventually go on to LinkedIn. It, you know, it just seemed like a really good place for it. I've always wanted to try and do some comedy on LinkedIn because it is hilarious as a place, isn't it? Just people mm. talking about, I won't mention people, um, but there's well, a lot of... it's just because agencies are just a bit hilarious and ridiculous, Agen- aren't they? But I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I would, much, <laughs> I would much rather see one of Rob's videos pop up on my feed than another story of, I was on my way to work this oh morning God. and I ran... <laughs> I gave a homeless man a sandwich and blah, 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 etc. Et I mean, I could do without. And just some quotes, some gene- the, the generic quotes like, today's Monday, but you are strong. Like they're just just meaningless things. Did you like read my LinkedIn yesterday? It's like they've gone into <laughs> it's like they've gone into Clinton cards and just gone. I heard, yeah, I heard the term a new term. You know that sort of that style of writing on LinkedIn where it's sort of very short sentences mm. and then a gap between each of them. I heard the term broetry to describe <laughs> that. That's incredible. It yes. is incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I love so that. So now I can't stop laughing at the. the I always sheer want to write something underneath. I thought I can't. I just can't write. I just want to. I mean, you can now because you have a personality for LinkedIn. Yes, that's true. It's your creation. That's true, but you have to be careful. You could become an alter ego troll, though. You could just create another account yeah. and just like that's troll where it gets the bro- dangerous, isn't it? That's please, where it gets dangerous. Please introduce a new character who's the troll in the office. I need to do that. You need I? to do okay. that, Gordon. What's your view now on the future for Instagram? Oh, future of Instagram. Um, I mean, I mean, it's still by far the big, the big. If you ask a lot of uh, surveys and stuff, Instagram still comes out top when it comes to influencer marketing. Um, but I think you know they've definitely got their work cut out um, with with the uh, challenges of of YouTube, TikTok, and and others. And who knows? There might be something else around the corner. We haven't even mentioned Chat GPT and and the sort of emergence of that whole space and how exciting it is what is for sure is it's not going to stand still and great technology because there's competition we are going to see you know greater uh, uh, greater technology advances um, I mean I still love uh, Instagram if I'm honest although my preferred platform is is like uh, yours Rob uh, LinkedIn um, video video is going to prevail. You know, we we all know that Reels is the is the fastest and quickest way to sort of grow your audience. But I always say it's not just about the technology; it's about the content. Actually, if you create amazing content, it will work wherever, um, and you're you're absolutely engaging with your audience all of the time. That's what's really important. So uh, yeah, I think the future is quite bright, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's platform purpose, right? I mean, TikTok is a channel within lots of our strategies for lots of our brands for um, A-B testing, for looking at how we can reach audiences really quickly and get really fast responses and understand how um, more lo-fi content will work and entertainment. Instagram is still a heritage platform. It is still where lots of our consumers are. It's still where the lifeblood of lots of our brands has been built for years and years and years. So yes, while TikTok is a high growth platform, we can't ignore what is still happening on Instagram as much as it isn't the cool, trendy new place for us to be. It is a. It needs to be for many of our brands still a huge part of that strategy. It can't be. I'm, I'm also an Instagram influencer rather than a TikTok influencer. So I would say that, but you, you can't lie where the audience is. They're in both places and we need to respect both areas. I think it's interesting also what um, what channels are going to be uh, reward, you know, paying the influencers mm. the most. So YouTube is the best, basically. They give you ad revenue uh, and Twitter is moving in towards giving you some ad revenue as well. Um, and TikTok uh, does has does good, gives, does reward the influencers uh, more so than um, Meta does. 
So it's it's about who's looking after the influencers and the content creators because they're wherever they go is going to be the best platform. Um, and I think that's what that's what Instagram lost. They lost a lot of people who just thought, you know what, it's not TikTok's way more fun. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's we do struggle a little bit with. Um, a lot of brands have invested so much in their Instagram, building that up to go, do you know what? You need to now focus on this new platform. It's always a bit like, but really, do we? And it's, it's yeah, I think you should. And uh, you need to just accept that actually this is, and it's a completely different strategy you need. Yeah. You can't just repurpose the content, um, which just sounds like, uh, you know, you're trying to, it's a money grab, but it's not. It's like you need to, and it's, but that's exciting. And the brands that are doing it now and actually taking that leap are the ones that are getting the rewards. Because we don't know where it's going to be in a year or two's time. Is the algorithm going to be as generous? Is it going to grow? You know, so it's uh, make the move. That's what I say. And also, when you do move from Instagram to TikTok and start doing both, we need to keep reminding ourselves that lo-fi isn't lazy, right? Rob's content would look ridiculous if it was highly premiumized and highly beautiful and looked like something from ten years ago on Instagram. That there needs to be a re-education as to when the content comes across, it is still worth paying the amount that you would have paid that creator on Instagram for it or potentially more depending on the audience. It, we need to reframe the conversation so that when we're looking at how much we pay creators, it's not about followers, but it's not also about the how premium the content is. It's about multiple different things depending on the objective of the campaign. So I want to ask the final question then, and that's straightforwardly predictions. How do you think influencer marketing might evolve in 2023 and, and perhaps beyond? What what sort of one or two big things do you think we will see over the next 12 months or so? Um, sh- let's go around, go around the room, stop, Rob. I think you'll start hearing people talk about Gen Alpha, Generation A, um, which they say, I mean, it sounds terrible, doesn't it, Alpha? Um, it's very entitled. But they're, yeah, they're t- becoming tweens now, born in 2012. So even though they're still a li- little bit younger, uh, but they're going to be the, the first, you know, they're... It's my son. Exactly, my son. exactly. So that, that's <laughs> so the next generation. Yeah. Move over Gen Z. It's going to be Gen A and, you know... What that brings with it, lots of thought. We need to start thinking about how we market to them. But no. Um, but that is the generation who've grown up being a creator from yeah. absolutely yeah. the age of two. <laughs> exactly. And um, my second prediction is the growth of TikTok, seeing where that goes and uh, the you know investing in there. And then chat GPT as well. Be interesting to see what goes on with there and creators and AI, uh, virtual creators as well. Um, terrifying. I mean, I don't know who's going to win all the PR Week awards. So it's going to be the Boston Dynamics robot dog, isn't it? Oh, or something. God. I don't know who's going to be turning up. Um, but yeah, have I just, I'm not going to mention a few more things. I suppose this is when I plug the uh, Ogilvy Trends paper, which just came out. But uh, no, I think in the next uh, sort of 12 months, from my side, um, obviously looking to continue testing and learning e-commerce on TikTok, hugely exciting where influencers can start to sell um, and sell more. Um, also, as we mentioned earlier, subscriptions, that subscription piece and how subscription moves towards the mainstream and how we move away from OnlyFans being um, R-rated materials, how we move it forwards into something that is the mainstream. And then finally, I think healthcare influence as well is going to be a really exciting space, particularly in the UK. So where we're seeing that the NHS is really being squeezed and where people are starting to turn away from going to their GP for everything, you know, we're being directed to use our chemists more who are trained. Um, 
is is it about working in the same way that the US has really seen a movement towards healthcare professionals, dermatologists, and that sort of thing on TikTok, Derm Talk, for example? How in the UK are we going to adjust to that? And how are we going to start looking for taking control of our own health, I suppose, and looking to people online who have skill sets and are trained professionals and how they can start helping us outside of the traditional healthcare routes? Well, I suppose it's better than the you know, the saviour of the NHS. I find that a depressing concept, but but the idea that you don't just Google that and get a whole load of duff information that you can TikTok actually get instead. To trusted, <laughs> but trusted experts yes. who, who actually can give you proper advice. And I think that that feels like it's it's a really exciting and that's the important trend. thing. Trust, yeah. Trusted advice from healthcare professionals on social platforms to democratise healthcare once again. Right. Well, I can't believe it, but I think that's the end of this week's show, isn't it? I, do, I think we've run out of time, haven't we? I, I mean, we what, have. what a great show. I've so enjoyed it. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us. Thank you so much. Bye now. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone listening, I'm sure it's been um, hopefully really fun, but also really informative and thank you so much we'll look forward to you joining us next time 